Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a stand-up comedian, actress, director, and much, much more. You've seen her in Parks and Recreation and my favorite as the head of HR in Silicon Valley. Her latest special was taped at the Tribeca Film Festival and, well, Hong is available now. We welcome Helen Hong. Hi. Hello. Hello, Helen. Let's go be on the mic. Raised in New York, how did growing up with your parents help you understand what was funny? I mean, your parents were immigrants, and what they found was funny, and what you found funny, and what everybody else found funny was completely different. Yeah, that is really true. Um I did not grow up with, like, stand-up. I didn't know stand-up was a thing because my parents are immigrant parents. They, you know, they didn't, they barely spoke English. And so, you know, a lot of other comics say, like, oh, I had, like, George Carlin albums in the house. I didn't have any of that. I didn't know stand-up was a job you could do. I never watched Late Night. Like, I just didn't, this was, like, not a thing for me. So, you know, I came to stand-up kind of, like, blind because of that. But I always knew that I was funny. (laughs) Humble brag. Humble brag. brag. But also, like, I needed to be funny because my parents moved around a lot. So I was like like an army brat without the army. (laughs) As my dad moved around growing up, as he worked in the airlines, we were never in the same city for any length of time. Yeah. So what was your dream job growing up? I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be an actress. Yeah, an actress. I was in, I was the lead in my first grade play, which I don't even think, like, I don't even know if it was a play. I think it was just like a show of some kind because I don't remember there being lines or plot or anything. All I remember is I wore a frilly white dress and I was like on stage and everybody looked at me and I loved it. I just loved it. I was very like self-centered even then. And I just have loved having all eyes on me. And I loved wearing my frilly white dress. And so I knew acting, that was a thing you could do. <laughs> I, I got so serious. Like I took, um, you know, I took a drama class in my, in my middle school, like sixth grade or seventh grade drama class. And I went home and I told my Korean parents, I was like, mom, dad, I want to be an actress. And their response was, what? <laughs> and that was it. That was literally the end of that conversation. <laughs> Ellen, how has acting given you joy? I love it. I think it's so fun. Um, I get to play these wacky roles. You know, like I get to, like that Silicon Valley role was super fun. She's just like, you know, surrounded by idiot boys. This character who's just like, you know what? I have worked at a lot of like Fortune 500 tech companies. I am like, I know what I'm doing. I'm very confident. And I'm surrounded by these idiot tech bro boys who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, tech. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, you guys are going to have to get it together. (laughs) You've shared stories from your parents on a YouTube channel. During the pandemic, you recorded their stories so they wouldn't be lost. Mm-hmm. Why was it important to not only record yeah, those stories, yeah. but also be tech support for your parents? <laughs> well, I the whole thing with that YouTube channel, so I started a YouTube channel with my parents in the middle of the pandemic. It's called Old Korean Dad Stories and Sometimes Mom. And that's only because like my dad is like me. He loves talking. He loves having the mic in his face. He loves being the center of attention. My mom is way more shy. So that's why it's not, you know, it's mostly old Korean dad stories and sometimes mom. But basically that came about in the middle of the lockdown when 
It was actually the end of 2020 when everybody was saying, you remember 2020 was the first year of the pandemic. At the end of 2020, everyone was like, oh, worst year ever, worst year ever. It was like the cover of Time magazine said worst year ever. Everybody was like, this was the worst year ever. And my dad is in his 70s. And I was like, dad, do you think that it was the worst year ever? And he just casually low-key goes, yeah, it was pretty bad, but I'd say... When I was seven in the middle of the Korean War, when we were starving, war refugees, and we had to flee the country to prevent from being murdered in the war, and my baby brother died, yeah, I'd say that year was worse. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) I didn't know. That was the first time I had heard. I didn't know that I had a whole-ass uncle, like, that had died in infancy. Like, my father had this whole brother that died as a baby, and I never knew that I had this uncle that just died before I, you know, when he was two. So I was like, wait, what? And he just casually dropped this. And it was such a crazy, impactful story. And I thought at the time it was such a nice message. Like, we're all thinking like, oh, this was the worst year ever because we were locked in the house and I didn't have toilet paper. When, you know, like tell that to anyone in Afghanistan or Iraq or any refugee from a country like, come on, this was hardly the worst year ever. So I wanted to share that message like that we're Americans, like we still have it pretty good, even in the middle of the pandemic, like life wasn't that horrible. But also I wanted to capture that story because I'd never heard that story before. You know, and I guess it's not something that you bring up like at the kitchen table. Like, by the way, I had a baby brother that died when we were war refugees. Pass the mashed potatoes. Yeah, exactly. It's not something that casually just comes up. <laughs> and so I had never heard the story. And I was like, I need to capture this somehow. And so I recorded my dad doing it. Um, I shared it with this uh, media company called Now This. And they put it on their, they could put it on Facebook and uh, all their formats. And it kind of was like, it really hit a nerve. And I was like, this is like, I should really start a YouTube channel and just record my dad talking about these crazy stories. Because, you know, he has all these crazy stories. Like people in their 70s, like your parents, everybody's parents, like have these crazy stories that we don't even know. Like my parents literally crapped in a outhouse when they were children. And I'm like, what? Like, I, it's uh, unbelievable to me. But like lots of parents did. Like they didn't have indoor plumbing in a lot of places. And so a lot of people's parents like pooped in outhouses. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, that's wild. Helen, you have a unique ability to make people laugh. When you work with somebody, you have strict (laughs) standards. You don't want any anti-Asian jokes or jokes that put people down. Yeah. What female comedians make you laugh? Uh, There are so many, and I and it makes me so mad when people say like, "Oh, women aren't funny," or that old that old fashioned concept that women aren't funny. I'm like, uh, go to any club at any major city, and you're going to see women who are crushing it. My favorites are uh, Maria Bamford. She's so quirky and adorable, and I love her. Michelle Buteau is a good friend of mine, and she's hilarious. She's got a special. I think she's got a few specials out actually. But she's got a, she's on Netflix, she's on Comedy Central, like, look her up, Michelle Buteau. Margaret Cho was a hero of mine growing up. I thought she was so fantastic and so ballsy and just fearless. The fact that she started stand-up as a 15-year-old chubby Korean-American, like, in the 80s is mind-blowing to me. Ali Wong is fantastic, obviously. She's, like, a powerhouse, you know, 
put like Netflix stand up on the map, I feel like. And there's so many like that, like so many great comedians. Marina Franklin is a friend of mine, Leah Bonema, like everybody. There's so many amazing women who are hilarious. And if you just dig a little deeper, you, you'll find like women are crushing it out here. I always love giving a guest the opportunity to name drop some of their friends. <laughs> What's your favorite moment from University of Massachusetts at Amherst? Oh, God. Jeez. UMass Amherst. UMass Amherst is like the tip, very idyllic New England college campus. Like what you envision an old school college campus, like beautiful trees and a lake and rolling hills and stuff like that, which is nice as conceptually, but like not so nice if you're actually like trying to go to school there. Like I... It was my first taste of freedom from being away from my strict Korean parents. So, you know, I was drunk the whole time. Oh, my. (laughs) I was drunk and doing drugs and hooking up with boys like the second I got to campus. And so I was not a particularly great student. I lived my first year at UMass. I lived um, uh, there's a part of camp. There's a dorm. There's a set of dorms called Orchard Hill. And it's literally on a pretty steep hill, which is fine except when it's like zero degrees in Massachusetts and it snows and it's sleeted. And the whole thing is now just like a, like it's a skate rink, but down going downhill and me, like I would be hung over every morning trying to get to class in like zero degrees. And at one time I remember I was so late to class that I had to run. So I'm like trying to run down this hill. I just fell on my ass and slid all the way down this hill. And it was just like, it should have been like one of those video, like fail videos where you're just like trying to stand back up and slipping back down on my ass and trying to stand back up and slipping back. And I should have just like gotten a, a tray from the cafeteria and slid all the way down the down down the hill to go to but class. But you look so good doing it. <laughs> We're with comedian Helen Hong. Be on the mic. Her special, Well Hong, is available everywhere. And it's time for the Rocky Nade. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure, but I'm going to put you okay. on the spot. As a Trekkie, with my first question. Okay. Rate the Star Trek series in order from most to least favorite. Original okay. TNG, DS9 Discovery, Voyager, Picard, and Strange New Worlds. Ooh. Harsh. Okay. Obviously, first is TNG, The Next Generation. I grew up with it. I It's the reason why I have a thing for older bald men. <laughs> um, so, obviously, TNG. Um, I love Voyager because I love, uh, Captain Janeway. She's like a badass woman. She's awesome. DS9, excellent. Strange New Worlds, killing it right now. The, the latest Strange New Worlds, so, so good. Really crushing it. And then there's the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first thing you notice about people? Uh, their shoes. I guess I'm into shoes. I guess I'm a shoeophile. I don't know. I love it. I I don't know. I love like uh, if, you know if there's a dude in Vans or something. I'm like, mm, bro. Mm. No, sorry. Try again. Or maybe someone in flip flops <laughs> and black socks. Yo. Or like, I don't. I don't know why I find men in flip flops gross, but I do. Sorry. It's okay. I wear sneakers. I mean, unless you're at the beach, I don't know, men in flip-flops. I'd rather see a man in Crocs, honestly, than flip-flops for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm like, at at least if you're wearing Crocs, I'm like, at least you have a chef job 
for something. Ellen, what's your favorite bourbon? Ooh. Oh. You like your bourbon. I do like bourbon. I, I Actually, lately, I've been really into Japanese whiskey. So... Okay, there recently I had a bourbon. I think it's called Four Monkeys or something. Is that a, is that a brand? It was Three Monkeys or Four Monkeys or Sex Monkeys. I don't know. So, something. There is actually a Four Monkeys bourbon. Yes. Yes. I had it recently and it was great. So, if you're on death row and the warden asks you, Helen, what do you want for your final meal? What are you ordering? Ooh. Honestly... I think I would have to go, like, KFC combo, like, number two. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the old, good old number two. Is that bad? Is that trashy? Is everyone judging me? Yeah, judge away. You had a KFC combo meal number two recently with the the delicious mashed potatoes and gravy and that, like, horrible coleslaw that's, like, more mayonnaise juice than coleslaw. Mmm. Mwah. Chef's kiss. What's the best place to go to the beach? Oh, I love the beaches around here. Santa Monica Beach, Venice Beach. Love it. I love it. Is there one place you enjoy going on vacation to? I am my, I have a, like a bucket list goal to go to the Maldives. If you don't know the Maldives, it's the lowest lying landmass on earth. It's definitely going to be underwater in like 60 to 70 years. And I feel like I need to go there before it's gone. It's like a, the irony is it's like the, it's the most in danger of climate change of going underwater because it's like, it's literally the, it's, it's like inches above the sea level. So any more climate change and oceans melting, the co- whole country is gone. But the irony is it's like the, it's like the capital of like luxury tourism. So it's like, Charter your private plane to get here. <laughs> What's the one thing you do to relax? Um, I love going in weird YouTube rabbit holes. That's a good one. I love watching weird YouTube. There's this channel on YouTube that I'm obsessed with called Weird History. Yes. Do you know that one? It's yes. so good. It's so good. It's all the like, ra- it's like, it's it's literally weird history. It's It's like what the pilgrims ate for, you know, like if they had farting problems or, or whatever. Like it's, there's like weird, random, like if you were farting so much on a pilgrim boat, what'd you eat? <laughs> what's the last thing you binged watched? Um, what's the last thing I binged watched? I watched this show on Amazon. Oh God, what's it called? It's like they, they found this hole in their backyard that leads to, like, literally another planet. And so they go visit, they go to this hole in their backyard, and it transports them to another portal. And, they're, and they go out on the other side, and it's like they're on a planet with, like, multiple moons. I can't, I'm doing a terrible job explaining it. Night Sky. It's so good. It's Sissy Spacek and... J.K. Simmons, and it's really good. It's a little bit slow. It moves a little bit slow, but I love sci-fi, and it's, like, such a cool concept. It's like this elderly couple just discovers a portal to another dimension, like, hanging out in their backyard. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app. 
It's time for the back half with comedian Helen Hong be on the mic. Helen, you've been a headliner for years. How has comedy changed for the better and the worse since you started? Oh, well, now we have to be worried about people coming up on stage and slapping us Jeez. or tackling us or punching us, which is like, oh, God, I never thought that I'd have to, like, be, like, learn martial arts to defend myself on stage. That's crazy. Yeah, this whole thing with, like, Chris Rock getting slapped and then Dave Chappelle getting tackled, like, it's super dangerous for people like me. Like, I'm five foot one. You know, and like I'm not a big person and I'm just alone on the stage. And a lot of these comedy clubs don't really have good security and stuff. Because they're drinking most of the time. Like, please don't come on stage and assault me. <laughs> so that's one thing that's worse. But the better thing is definitely like there's so many more women stand up comics doing it. Like, if you go on Netflix or you go on HBO, there's so many, like, great female comics. Taylor Tomlinson, that's another one that's on Netflix. She's fantastic. You once said you wanted to be, quote, judge for the content of my character, my actions, and my words, unquote. Has Hollywood changed enough for you to be judged the way that you wanted, or are you still fighting? Oh, still absolutely fighting. Yeah, still absolutely fighting. But I feel like things have gotten so much better. Like now the roles that I as an Asian woman get aren't necessarily all for like doctor or tech person or like lab technician or stuff like that, which is usually what the roles were for Asian women. But now I can be like, you know, I just want to be able to play like a, a, a hot mess, an Asian hot mess because we're out there like an Asian slob. An Asian, like, drug dealer. We're all out here. Come on. Helen, how does the love of a foster animal make you feel? Oh, so amazing. So great. My eyes foster failed my dog, Dodger. He was a foster. Like, when I first got him, I thought he was the ugliest dog I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, ugh. And he was super, like, he had been in the foster system for so long that he was like, ugh. So, like, the first two weeks that he was in my house, we were like, ugh. Ugh, just staring at each other but then after a couple of weeks he put he came up on the couch and he put his head in my lap and i was like i love you and he's like i love you too most comedians have that hard six that perfect six minutes of stories and jokes that they've honed to a t when do you feel like you have to change it up is it a feeling or when you don't get the laughs that you used to or when you're adding new stuff I, I don't abide by the hard six. I don't. I'm always, I'm always switching it up. I can't, I can't do material over and over and over again ad nauseum. I just can't. So naturally in my stand-up, every couple of years, the jokes get retired because I'm just sick of telling them. You know what I mean? Like after two years of telling a joke, I'm done telling it. So I, I just, I'm always evolving and always changing. Like my, my comedy special, I have a ton of jokes about the pandemic. You know, which I had to tell jokes about the pandem pandemic because that was what was going on in my in my life. So I have jokes about the toilet paper shortage and I have jokes about, you know, wanting to date doomsday preppers for the first time because they got the beans, baby. They got sacks of beans and rice. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Climb into my bunker, baby. We talked earlier about you being tech support for your parents. I had yep. that problem myself. Every time yeah. I go to my parents' house, they ask me, Sean, fix the printer. It's been broken for two years. They refuse to replace it and ask me to fix it every <laughs> single time I come into town. How have your parents' aging changed your perspective on family and life? It is hard. It's hard. My parents were just here for a month hanging out with us. Uh, and he, they're, they're like getting hard of hearing. So that's the one thing is like, 
I'd say that's the most annoying thing is like now they're still nagging me, but they're doing it at like top volume. They're like, you know, just like screaming because they can't hear. And then I respond and they're like, what? Like they can't hear. And it's like every just lots of yelling to try to get them to literally hear me. So that's sad. And then also they move things and can't remember where they put them. That's always fun. Like, hey, mom, where'd you put the there's a fly. Where'd you put this fly swatter? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> don't remember. Don't remember. Helen, clubs were closed. You were stuck at home. How did the pandemic help and hurt you as a comedian? Uh, the pandemic was rough for stand-up comics because we couldn't leave our house. You know, the one thing that you... Stand-up comic was like the last thing to open back up. It was like the... Stand-up comedy was like the perfect storm of spreading the virus because it was like enclosed windowless spaces with hundreds of people laughing and like, yeah, yeah, just like virus particles just spitting out constantly. Uh, So that was rough. But, you know, we have to adapt. So during the pandemic, I did a bunch of Zoom shows, like shows over Zoom. And at first I was like, oh, how can you possibly do stand up over Zoom? But we adapted. We learned. And like I had some really fun times doing Zoom shows. And I think a lot of comics did because at the time is like all you could get. Right. So if you're in the desert and you're dying of thirst and somebody hands you like slightly muddy water, you're going to drink it, whether you like it or not. You're not going to be like, um, I'm dying. But can do you have um, Fiji? Do you have Fiji water, please? Do you have Avion? Like it's you can get you take what you can get when you're desperate. And that's kind of what the Zoom shows were like for comics. Time to get you creative for a second here. If you could headline a show with three dead comedians, who would you want to share that stage with? Joan Rivers. Oh, my God. Fantastic. She's so ballsy. I watched this documentary called A Piece of Work where she was I realized what a badass she was like. What a ballsy badass. So Joan Rivers, definitely. Um Richard Pryor, because he was just so, yeah, he was such a groundbreaker and so irreverent. And I'm, I'm very keen to know what he thinks of, like, school shootings and stuff. Like, you know, that's the thing that you miss about these old legendary comics is, like, what would they say about modern times? Like, school shootings weren't a thing in Richard Pryor's time. So I wonder what he has to say about that. Um, another dead comedian. Uh, Phyllis Diller, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just tapping, like tipping my hat to the great female comedians of back in the day. Who is your mentor in comedy, and who are you mentoring for the future of comedy? Mm, great question. Uh, I had some great mentors coming up. David Allen Greer, I opened for him a handful of times, and he was always so kind and so, so funny, such a talent. Godfrey, I don't know if you know Godfrey. He's an amazing comedian, and he was also someone that I looked up to took me under his wing. And as far as younger comedians, I, I am actually reached out by a lot of Asian, like Asian comedians who are just starting out and a lot of women comedians that are just starting out. And I love that. I love like that they reach out to me, they DM me on the Instagrams and I like, you know, try to give them some advice. I don't know what kind of advice that I can give other than just get out there, just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, get as much stage time as you can, start a comedy room at a local bar or, you know, restaurant, wherever you can do it to get the stage time because that's the only way you're going to get 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 good. So I try to give advice as much as I can. I don't know advice that I can give as far as just grind, keep grinding. Helen, who inspires you today? It doesn't have to be a comedian. It could be anyone. 
Just someone that makes you want to be a better person. Oh, gosh. Make me want to be a better person. Um, I just, I just really am touched by kind people generally. Like, I, you know, I live in a very black and Latino neighborhood now, and I am just touched by my neighbors who have like embraced me, an Asian person moving into, you know, predominantly black and Latino neighborhood, and they're so kind to me. And just like a little bit of human kindness goes a long way. Like, just. I read somewhere that a smile is a gift that you give to a stranger. And I love that, you know, and I feel like that's so much of what is wrong with our society is like, we don't even want to smile at people. You know, if I'm walking my dog, like people don't even want to smile at each other. It's like, I just am openly want to smile at strangers on the street. And if they smile back and wave, like it's, it feels like a nice gift that we've given each other for the day, like a gift of humanity. Like, hi, have a nice day. Yeah. What's one thing that people don't know about you? Weird quirk about me. um, I cannot physically fall asleep if my feet are dirty. What? Like, I literally can't. I literally can't. Like, it will. And I've tried. I'll be dead tired. And I'm like, I can't. And I just, and I fall into bed. And if I haven't washed my feet, I'm like. I just, it feels like there are like bugs eating my feet. That's what it feels like. It, and there's not, but it feels like I have to get out of bed, dead tired, wash my feet. I need to wash my feet before I even brush my teeth. Like that's the order of importance of, for me to fall asleep. I can fall asleep feet, with teeth and sleep. Yes. Like I could fall asleep with manky, gross, mossy teeth, but if my feet are dirty, oof. I got to get out of bed and wash them. So how hard is it for you to sleep on a daily basis? Yeah, I, I, luckily I live in California where uh, marijuana edibles are legal and God bless them. Helen, I know you've acted with him. I want to know how has James Hong influenced you as an actor? (gasps) I love him. Oh my gosh. That man is like, how old is he? Like 91? He's so ancient. If you guys don't know James Hong, look him up. He's been in so many things. He's in that a great movie that's out right now called Everything Everywhere All at Once at the age of 91. And he's hilarious in it. He was in like he's been in movies with Keanu Reeves. What was that alien movie with Keanu Reeves? The Day the Earth Stood Still was. And then he was also in the original Blade Runner playing the eyeball guy. I only do eyes. I only do eyes like he's such a legend. If you look up his IMDb, I think he has more IMDb credits than like any other actor like hundreds of imdb credits because he's been working since the 40s and he's still working and that to me as an asian person is crazy impressive like i'm so impressed by him you worked with him before and you even made a video of him reading a line and you were losing your mind (laughs) i was i was so i did um I did an episode of The Thundermans, which is a Nickelodeon kid show that I was on with him. And he was just super silly. And at one point he's wearing like a mime costume. Like, and he's just, he was in his 80, late 80s at the time. And he's wearing a mime costume and he's just being super silly for this kid show. And I just thought, man, if I could only achieve what half of what you've achieved, like he started working in the 40s and now he's in his 80s, like doing a kid show, wearing a ridiculous mime costume and just being super silly. I just love that. I just love him so much. It's time for one big question with 
comedian, actress, Helen Hong, be on the mic. What are your dreams for the future? I mean, what's the one thing that you want to do before you retire? I want to be in one of these new Star Treks. What? Like, I want to be, and I want to be in, like, the full, like, prosthetics, turn me into, like, a blue alien with, like, Klingon forehead and Romulan ears and, like, wearing, like, a crazy Federation outfit. Like, I love that stuff. Like, do you want please. to be recognized or do you don't want to be recognized? No. I want to be, like, if I could get on a Star Trek and just go, doop, boop, 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 doop, boop, doop. oh, well, she said, yeah, she wants chicken nuggets for lunch. Like, I would love that. I would love that. Star Trek Chicago, you're such a big fan, and yet you have to keep those emotions in check, even though inside you're going nuts. Oh, my God, I freaked out. If if Patrick Stewart had been there, Sir Captain Picard, like, if he had been there, I would have died. I would have died and freaked out. But thankfully, he wasn't there, so I was able to keep my cool. But I was on stage with, like, Kate Mulgrew, who plays Captain Janeway. I was on stage with the entire cast of Strange New Worlds. I was on stage with, like, a bunch of actors from Deep Space Nine. And it was so, so cool. I was able to keep my cool because, like, Star Trek The Next Generation is my, my like, number one holy grail show. So if more actors from The Next Generation had, had been there, I would have freaked out. So if Michael Dorn walks in. Ah, or Brent Spiner, who played Data, I would have been like, ah, Really? Oh, God. Honestly, I would have asked them to sign my boobs, and then I would have never washed my boobs again. She loves relaxing in Venice <laughs> Beach, wants to visit the Maldives one day, and wants you to watch Well Hong wherever you can. We thank the talented Helen Hong for taking the time to talk with us today. That was awesome. Thank you so much. That was super fun. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.